Hey, podcasters, welcome back. This is your host, Kristen, with More Than Rich, shining a light on your financial underwear drawer. And today we are talking about health and wealth. In our past podcasts, we discussed protection planning with President Roy Carlson of Carlson Financial Services and those what-if scenarios, death, disability, long-term care, things of that nature. And for me, health is my number one priority. It is my personal source of wealth because if I am not healthy, I cannot be a productive contributor for my family, for my community. I cannot work. I cannot play. Um, Health is a beautiful gift and we must continuously cultivate and take care of that. So that is why we have invited William Elizick here today with us. Um, Finally called Dr. B. He has his doctoral degree in exercise science, a master's in exercise physiology, a minor in nutrition, a bachelor's in physical education. He is certified from the American College of Sports Medicine as an exercise specialist. He is a college professor, author, and former Division I college strength coach. And if that's not enough for you, what strikes me the most is his commitment and heart for our kids. In his personal time, Dr. Elizek has 20 years as a sports official coaching kids. He has developed personal training development for youth obesity prevention. And today, more than ever in our COVID environment, where schools, playgrounds, and activities for kids are closed, and they're bored out of their minds sitting on a couch or in front of the computer or video games is the new norm, how do we ensure our kids are getting enough exercise and nutrition that they need? Dr. Bill, welcome to our podcast today. Thanks for having me. So as a personal trainer for youth fitness and youth obesity prevention, what should we be doing at home for our kids to stay active, especially when we don't know if they will be going back to school in the fall? Well, the first thing you need to do is look at how you can facilitate the children. What do you have access as terms of resources? Do you have a pool? Do you have a backyard? Do you have a local park? Obviously, that is, that is going to be safe. What type of equipment that you might have available to them, if it's a bicycle, um, if it's a skipping rope. So you have to kind of look at what are your tools that you can work with. And obviously, we always want to keep them as functional as possible. That's really important for children, that we keep them functional, flexible, and working on their cardiovascular system and Depending on what their age group is, we need to be doing some muscular strength exercises too. Because I think we really are at fault a lot with that, especially with child obesity. Uh, We think we're focusing too much on just the walking and the aerobic aspect of it, but I think we need to increase that muscle mass. As a matter of fact, one pound of muscle burns 18,000 calories a year. So the more muscle you have in your body, your higher metabolic rate will be. And so I think, therefore, resistant exercise is really important, too. And there's some fun things you can do with that, too, if we get into some discussion about that. So one pound equals 18,000 calories. Per year, yes. Per that year. That you will burn it. 
And additionally, yes, to your, to your basic metabolic rate. Wow. So let's say, poof, I start a television series with you, right? And we are um, in all these kids' homes right now, and we're teaching them how to build muscle mass. What, what are some of the things that you would show them or teach them? Well, first thing you need to do is make sure the exercises are going to be fun. Because with the problem we have right now, even the physical education programs uh, across the country, uh, we're having difficulty motivating children to be able to do sit-ups and push-ups, of very basic things that we have norms for, mm-hmm. because the children are supposed to be able to perform based on their age and their abilities to be able to perform with, with so many repetitions, and we kind of gauge them how well they're doing with that. So yeah, let's make it, make it fun. Uh, I've shown with it's on Instagram, for instance, uh, some video where you can just take a a group of water bottles and you know that's wrapped up in those cellophanes you buy from the store, and you can do cur- arm curls with them. You can do some shoulder presses with them or bench press with them. Um, there's some other basic things that you can do with uh, if you're do have a pool or have access to a lake, you can do some water exercise. And I, again, I put on Instagram a way you, uh, you can do those types of activities because water is resistance. So there's certain movements that you can do that you don't need to be able to swim, but being in to be water waist deep, it's very easy to move your arms back and forth and get that kind of resistance you need for your chest and your back and your arms and your legs. So there's a lot of different things you can be doing for uh, for that strength training aspect of do you think we're missing out today on really teaching our kids about exercise and nutrition? Because I really don't see anything in the media um, on these two topics. Well, I think that's part of the, the problem that we have in our movement is that we're asking families and school systems and also YMCA's, JCC's to do programs, but we're not providing the program itself. So you're asking them to, yes, children should be exercising at least, you know, five days a week, if not seven days a week for at least an hour to an hour and a half. But if you're not providing a fun program for them, it's really difficult for them to understand really what they should be doing, how long they should be doing it, and how they should be doing it. So I think if we provide more structured programs, a a good methodology, one of the programs I developed um, way back when was called Sports Aerobics, now called ATP 36, and it's athletic training performance, but call it ATP because adenosine triphosphate is the important energy for, for cells. And there's a lot of relationship to health and disease uh, regards to how much ATP you actually have at that cellular level for children all the way through seniors. So the more ATP you have, the healthier you're going to be because it provides those cells to be functioning the way they're supposed to and multiplying and going through the the processes. So, yeah, uh, going through the the forms of exercise, making sure it's designed appropriately. And I think if uh, what, what I have done is implementing a methodology to school systems so that you can actually be doing movements without having to have instruments. And this way, it's a motor learning process. So children start to learn how to bump a volleyball or shoot a basketball without the actual instrument, but just going through the mechanics of that movement and having fun with it, not failing in any way, going at their own pace. There's a lot of uh, research behind it, and that's part of my my doctorate degree, was looking at how we can recreate that methodology to make um, all children successful, help them to be going through that process so that they, they'll, they'll enjoy and want to be involved in those activities. First thing, you know, obviously a child, if they're not successful with something or they're feeling um, inferior to something, they're not going to want to participate. Sure, they're going to want to quit. Right. right, absolutely. What is your 
personal definition of being healthy? Well, that's that's kind of a long one because we are a complex individual and there's a lot of dimensions to our life and every part of that, every one of those dimensions affects the other dimension. So let's go through them. The first one is the physical and that can be obviously movement because our bodies are designed to move. So that physical aspect of it, we talk about the cardiovascular flexibility, muscular endurance, muscular strength and body composition are part of that physical. So incorporating an exercise program for all of that. The second part of that physical is nutrition. You obviously have to feed your body the right foods um, in the right right amounts so it stays healthy so you're able to perform that type of physical activity that's the first dimension is the physical the second dimension would be social so we we are a social um, animal so as a as human beings we want to be involved in activities that's why you play sports and sport activities or you're in competition or you're engaged in group exercise programs we know that socially it's going to help us keep motivated to doing our exercise and it gives us feedback and it's fun to be exercising walking running biking whatever with someone else rather than some most of the time by yourself so that's the social aspect third aspect of that of the uh, dimensions and being healthy would be the um, intellectual and the emotional and that's where we talk about the mental aspect intellectually and mentally so intellectually we want to understand what we're supposed to be doing correctly. That's one of the things about biomechanics and movement is if we do things correctly, we're not going to injure ourselves and we're going to be very productive. And that's one of the programs I developed called FIPS. Being having the exercise or the program fun, make it interesting or informative, productive, and making it safe. So when you understand the, the uh, intricacies of whatever you're doing, if it's cycling, if it's running, there's there's proper mechanics to all of that. Lifting weights, swimming. We all we know that there's certain techniques and skills we have to develop. Throwing a baseball, football, the list goes on. And then the mental aspect, obviously, is we know that exercise builds that sense of euphoria, those endorphins that you get from feeling great about doing a workout or during your workout um, of that exercise. So the higher level you get to that fitness level, the more endorphins, and you're going to get that natural high that we get from exercise. And that's when you really start to feel that you're getting that addiction. We want to get addicted to exercise. We want to be getting addicted to things that don't don't, uh, improve our health. The other aspect of, um, of a dimension would be environmental. So obviously environment is very important uh, to, to everyone, not only what you're breathing in, but also the environment uh, that you're exercising in, whether it's on a golf course or at the lake, or if it's in a park, um, or creating an environment in your own home, but if it's watching TV or something that makes it interesting to motivate you, listening to music, there's a lot of different ways to motivate yourself. So that environment is really important because it, again, it supports what you're trying to do. And you can also add in there spiritually obviously spiritual is very important because if you're doing this mainly for yourself a lot of times you're going to talk yourself out of it the flesh is very weak but if your spirit is strong and you understand that you're doing for this for for more than than yourself that spirit we talk about school spirit we talk about you know spirit that that allows us to be able to be, be motivated so we'll talk maybe hopefully a little bit more about that and then another aspect of dimension of our of our life and being healthy is uh is occupational 
And if you're in an occupation, it can be very stressful, um, and, or it can be uh, a use stress, which is means it's a good stress. And a lot of times, sports it can be in a stressful situation, but it's a use stress because you get something positive out of it. You get a, you're getting a positive uh, outlook. So though all those are dimensions, it's very hard to balance it. We call homeostasis. You try to keep all of them in balance. A lot of times, you spend too much intellectually with work or with with studying and so forth, and we don't give ourselves enough outlet, whether it be so whether it be with physical activity to help counterbalance that. A lot of times it's physical. We're not eating right. We're not getting good nutrition or enough good sleep. So that's why all of these affect each other. So it's really important to try to keep that balance. And when did you get the addiction part of this for all the exercise and all the health and nutrition? Did you always have this in you? Well, I think the addiction comes from feeling what the body potentially can do. Mm-hmm. And I think there there are no limits from what we see from year after year. And, and if you take an Olympics, for instance, how we keep breaking records and breaking records. If you find within yourself that you're able to improve and feel better about yourself, look look better, feel better, healthier. Look, a lot of it came from a background of being having very unhealthy family members, whether it was dying of cancer, um, COPD. It's very disheartening to see that your loved ones are gone. So for me, it was about when I was younger, um, it was about staying fit, exercising, playing sports, which fed me a lot and seeing that I was feeling good about myself. And obviously, self-esteem is very important, especially with children. You need to build that self-confidence and that self-esteem, the self-image. And if you can do that through different forms of activity, whether it's art or music or, or sports, so forth, find that niche. Um, I think that's what kind of motivated me. And then not only that, participating with others and being able to um, accomplish goals um, with others besides just the goals for yourself. So, yeah, it's been an, it's been something that started as, as youth and just feeling that you've got those types of positive outcomes from it. And hearing from people how well you're doing, obviously, is, is an important feedback that helps you keep motivated. In your um, ATP classes that you have designed for youth, um, and you're talking about all of these um, subcategories of intellectual, mentally, spiritually, socially, nutritionally, physically, um, are are do you also teach all of those in your your classes to kids? Is it more than obviously, from what I'm hearing, nutritional and physical? So one of the uh, grants that we got through American Heart Association uh, some years ago is that we incorporated into school systems in 5,000 children, actually 10,000 total was two different uh, counties. Um, we were able to get children involved in called a wellness program. And this is really what this is all about. Um, being healthy is for most people is this saying I'm absence of disease. But that's not the truth because of the fact that underlying conditions could be developing that you so maybe your blood pressure is not high. Maybe you don't have a you know high resting heart rate. Uh, maybe your cholesterol levels are fine. But there can be other things that are manifesting. A lot of times we don't see cancers, for instance, or see tumors until it's too late. So things can be happening. So the point is, is that being healthy isn't always necessary absence of disease, but being healthy mentally. So having that that mental outlook in life and, and, and that positiveness. So what we tried to design was a wellness program for these children in the elementary schools, and they were getting points for all of these dimensions that I just mentioned. So if they went out and did acts of kindness, whether it was at church or where was it chari- uh, involved in a charity, they got points. If it was taking out the garbage, doing domestic things at home from mom and dad, then you got points. Um, if you did things at, at church, you know, from, from a spiritual standpoint, you're saying 
memorizing prayer, for instance, you got points. So yes, we, we put all those dimensions into that wellness program. So we wanted to have a complete balance. So children understood it was important to get points from all of your dimensions and just not focusing on one or two or three areas. But all of those areas were, were important in how they support each other incorporated into overall wellness and health. I love that they were winning points for acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah, because we see so much about bullying today. But if it's coming home and saying, hey, I was able to help one of my friends today and, you know, they were uh, having trouble struggling with their books or having struggling with their homework and I was able to help them, help them understand something. Sure. If it's out and seeing that they weren't being incorporated into some of the activities out at recess, you know, went over and said, hey, you want to, you know, throw a ball around or something. And so, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's really important for children to start developing those, those kinds of concepts, you know, at a young age. You state in your book, Cross-Training Connection, that if you control your pH level, you control your health. Can you expand on that principle for our listeners? As a basic um, concept, if we talk about health, um, it starts in terms of the terrain of your body. And if we look at a terrain of a swimming pool, for instance, this is very, very similar. We have a pH level in, in our blood, and the pH should be somewhere around 7.0. And your intestinal system uh, in the stomach, for instance, should have a pH somewhere around 2.0 to to 2.5, maybe as high as 3.0. Then your small intestine has a different pH. It's around 5. So our bodies have different pHs. It's important to maintain that terrain so that we have um, appropriate uh, digestive processes, that we have appropriate um, assimilation of nutrients in our body. So when you do eat something that it's Protein takes a higher um, pH level than a carbohydrate would, so it's important that we keep those pHs. So if you had a swimming pool, we're always checking the pH level because if it goes below that 7.4, then we know we start to have some forms of algae and so forth, right? right? So it's important to maintain that pH, and it's the same thing with our bodies. We need to maintain that, that 7.0 to 7.4 pH in our body also in these certain terrains. So certain foods you can eat that are very very acidic mm-hmm. that can add to lowering your pH that can cause different types of disorders and, and diseases in your body or if you're too high in the pH it can also cause some disorders and, and diseases how do we find out about that is there a test that you can do to find out your pH like remember how when we were young and we had the little litmus papers in school and you tested the pH for base and and so forth can we do that with our bodies yeah you can go to a nutrition store and you can find there's a pH strips that you can put on the tongue or you can do um, you can do it also with with your urine there's different different processes to do that so if we're always maintaining that optimal pH level does that mean we can never get sick well it depends on what level of sickness we're talking about right so it can be something that's very mild and something very severe it can have you know simple simple allergies for instance an allergic reaction which isn't really major you know, to something that could be asthmatic, which would be obviously a lot more, more more major. So, yeah, you need to find that that balance, and you, and that's the important thing. And if we're looking at health, there's a lot of different ways naturally, mm-hmm. without having to go to a doctor to look at how your health is doing. So, number one would be looking at, and again, we might get a little graphic here, but look at your stools. I mean, your stools tell you a lot in terms of the color, the the, uh, the texture. I mean, do you have diarrhea? That's telling you how your digestive system's working. Do you enough, have enough fiber? Are they sinking? They're not sinking. So that's something you can analyze in, on your own. Right. 
Another thing would be looking at nails. Take a look at your fingernails, and they should have certain types of moons on them on each one of the fingers. If there's too much moon of that that white little strip, right, right at the bottom mm-hmm. of, of the cuticle. Yep. So look at to see whether or not there's too much or too little. And again, you can Google, you know, and look at um, you know that analysis and, and compare those pictures. Uh, so looking at nails. Another thing is obviously looking at your skin. Are you breaking out by certain types of eczema? There's a lot of um, of my clients that I've helped with eczema and looking at their pH levels and find out that they have a lot of bacteria in their system. So if you have, for instance, probiotic is one of the most important supplements you can take because it's probiotic, meaning it's pro-life. Right. So probiology, it's it's helping to kill the bacteria, the bad bacteria, and a lot of times we're just getting too much bad bacteria in a system and that can cause a lot of uh, disorders and diseases. So you are a wealth of knowledge on homeopathics. Define that for our audience. What does homeopathic mean? Well, I'm, I'm certified through the National Association of Drugless Practitioners and we look at homeopathics and bioenergetic medicine. We're a body of energy. Um, we look at homeopathics as homopathic means like the body. Um, versus allopathy, which is drugs, means other than the body. So it's something that's different. So that's why you have a lot of side effects with allopathy versus homeopathics. You usually don't get any side effects, obviously, if you're if you're um, taking the right amounts, because obviously anything in, in excess, right? Uh, so yeah, homeopathics means that it, those are things you're taking inside of your body that is like your body. Your body should simulate it much much easier than uh, than a drug or a medication. What should what are the top three that everybody should be taking on a daily basis? Well, as I mentioned, uh, uh, your probiotic. probiotic is number one. Mm-hmm. Number two would be D three. It's so important right now. We're seeing a lot of studies in D three that we're not getting enough. As a matter of fact, there's even some correlations with uh, COVID nineteen right now with those that are susceptible um, to, uh, to to low levels of D three and and uh, so forth. Um, the other uh, component that I would say is anti-inflammatories. One of the things that really ages our, our bodies are, um, is inflammation. Okay. So C-reactive, if you look at uh, doing blood tests, you look at C-reactive protein and homocysteine levels, and those are, those are inflammatory responses uh, in the heart and some, some other areas of the body. So it's really important to keep that inflammation down. Obviously, athletes, as you know, will go into a... a, a um, um, ice bath right after they're doing running or football or whatever to cut down the inflammation. If you've got obviously uh, an injury, what do we do? First thing you do is we put on ice because it cuts down the inflammation. So in- inflammatory responses are really, really um, important to, to minimizing the aging process and, and for recovery aspects. Because right now, getting into my age, I mean, I'm still training at the high levels and I train at the high levels because my next day I'm feeling um, without pain, I'm feeling recovered, and I don't have to wait three or four days to, to train again at, at a high level because I'm using anti-inflammatories such as Bozuela or using turmeric, for instance. Um, so there's a lot of natural things out there that you can, again... I uh, love cooking with turmeric. Yes, and it's interesting that a lot of these different types of spices and natural um, um, ingredients way back when is what they use to keep themselves healthy. And I think we've kind of moved away from a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And we need to start getting back to the t- understanding of, of how we can use natural foods and supplements to to, uh, to minimize the aging process. Um, in Chapter 20 in your book is devoted to drugs and the question, do we really need them? 
Um, I found a lot of the stats here staggering. Unfortunately, they didn't surprise me as uh, from my own personal experience. I found out a lot of this to be true as, um, you know, some doctors prescribe um, things because um, they're written large personal checks, right? along with uh, consulting contracts by pharma companies and and so forth. And it's not a good policy to uphold the Hippocratic Oath by putting profits over health. Um, And for me not to get on that bandwagon, how do we become stewards of our own health? Well, as I mentioned, it's important that we find the, the signs and symptoms that you're dealing with to give you some assessment of how your health is doing. And again, we go back to some of the sim- the things that I had mentioned about stools, about fingernails. Um, you can look at uh, tongue textures, for instance, look at your skin, um, look at your reactions of, um, of sleep sleep issues, for instance, if you're getting good night's sleep, you're not. Typically, you might, might say that your serotonin um, levels might be out. So there's a lot of things that we can be looking at as we could be good stewards to say, we how do we keep ourselves in balance or how do we get back to, to that place of, of, of healthiness uh, in each of those areas? And, and again, those are self-assessments. Here's the problem. The problem is I think we wait too long before we react to something. I think we need to really be in touch with, with our lives um, in in most aspects look at how you're feeling a lot of times when i get people on homeopathics and i ask them um let's say two weeks later three weeks later uh, how is this symptom um how is this this pattern that you're having problems with before and they go oh i really never thought about it i mean i really haven't been having a problem with it so here they didn't even think about what was going on and whether whether they were improving or not and what and they did so I think they were, they were in, not in touch with, with the process and how they were feeling and what was going on with their bodies. I think we wait too long uh, for things to happen. And we ignore symptoms. Yeah, exactly. We're right. ignoring those symptoms. Um, what are give, – give us a kind of a, a personal view inside your daily exercise routine. What do you do to be looking so good as you do and to defy this whole age process? Well, I think I'm I'm kind of fortunate. I am a college professor, so there's, there's a lot of flex time in there, and I can work around a schedule. A lot of people who have nine to five, it's very difficult. I think time is the big. If we look at the, what are the deterrents of us trying to stay healthy, I think most of the time you look at the, the surveys or, or interviews, and people say time. So you have to be very good at time management. You really have to structure yourself. Yeah, it might take some, some effort, but once you get that science down for yourself, it it's, it's really is very easy because now it becomes an, an addictive behavior. It's, 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 a, it's a behavior that you've adopted to, and we know that it takes up to you know 29 days of doing something consistently before you really start to become a, a, a habit. So you leave more than, for instance, exercise, you leave more than three days of not exercising and more than three days of trying to adopt that new habit, you've now lost it. And you got to go back to that whole process again of doing it on a you know, regular basis to get that, that addiction back or that prop, proper behavior back. Sure. So, yeah, it's it's going back to, for me, it's uh, it's just what I've been able to do for so many years. So when I get up in the morning, um, well, Let's just say I've taken my nutrients at night, so I can get up in the morning and do what I need to do. But um, typically, it's it's 
going into prayer first, um, making my connection with the Lord and, and thanking Him for another day that I know is going to be awesome and being able to glorify Him and be able to uh, to serve Him in whatever way. So depending, like this morning, I didn't have a chance to work out because I was building a new gate for someone that, that um, needed some assistance to that. Uh, otherwise, if I would get up in the morning, I would do a, a cardiovascular workout. So it's either a, a bike or it, it's a it's a run. And then later in the afternoon, uh, I'll do a weight workout that's either in the pool or use, using the weights for some resistance. And then later in the day, I'll do my flexibility. It's really important to, to do your stretching program at the end of the day. So I'll probably do either the run or the bike that I do in the, do in the morning. And then I'll do, uh, I'll do my, my, my stretch while I'm playing with my dogs, watching uh, TV at 10 o'clock at night and doing my stretch routine with them. And you do this every day? Every day. Every day. Let, let me just say that this is really important because right now, since we've become so sedentary over these last 20 to, to 40 years, the health guidelines now say that you should be exercising as an adult, and that means you know 25 and up, at least 150 minutes a week to 300. 150 if you're doing intense exercise, 300 if you're doing moderate exercise. So figure out the numbers. That's an hour, five days a week if you're doing moderate exercise. And most people are doing moderate because they're out there walking, you know, for an hour or so. That's moderate. That means you got to walk for an hour, five days a week. That's because our bodies have deteriorated so much and so fast. I do, uh, with my students, I do a chronological, and you can do that. It's really important to do this, is do a biological versus chronological age survey. So the thing about myself is that even though um, I'm 65, I still have a body of a 30 to 35 year old. So when you do the chronological survey, when you ask these questions, it'll give you a prediction of what, how healthy you really are in terms of age. So when I do, when I do this with my students who are, let's say, 20 years old, mm-hmm. when they do the survey, they come out to 40. So I say, let's extrapolate that. By the time you're 30, you're 60. By the time you're 40 or 80, and you wonder why we have life-threatening chronic diseases by the time we're 30, 35, 40 years old. Wow. So those 26 questions, and there are, there are other surveys also, um, but you can Google it and chronological versus biological age survey. Uh, it's it's um, pretty fa- fairly accurate. I was on a Christian radio uh, station um, or a TV station uh, one year, and I wanted to be a testimony after I wrote my book um, to how this the way of living was really healthy and, c- and keeping me young and vibrant, um, being able to do the things I want to do in life. So I went to a, a wellness a clinic and spent significant amount of money, did some blood analysis and other types of analysis they needed to do to determine what my age was. A prostate, for instance, at that time when I was, I think it was like I was in my 40s, I had a prostate of a 19-year-old. Um, my, my aging at that point, they said, was like 27 years old. So when I did the survey, it came out almost exactly the same. Wow. So these it's a predictive obviously yes and but it's just telling you that those questions um talking about your eating your sleeping habits your exercise habits what exposures you have to emfs electromagnetic fields Mm -hmm. um metals do you have you know mercury what type of environment you're breathing in quality of air the list goes on all those contribute to to being unhealthy uh or contributing to being healthy, drinking more water, for instance, doing more exercise. But obviously, if you're exercising three hours a day, that can be more detrimental to you than it can be helping you. So sure. there's a there's obviously what your how your body is built, what and there are ways to looking at 
uh, what is your body really built for? Some people I can't say I can't run. Mm-hmm. Well, you might not be built for running. So there's different body types for different forms of exercise. Just find what's what fits fits you best. So um, are they correct when they say that smoking is the new sitting? Well, it's been kind of that for quite a while, and because we put people. Our kids, even our, our children now, we're looking at online and keeping them in front of the computer. And yes, exactly, because the less you, you're active, the body deteriorates very quickly. And we're seeing more and more with young children, higher blood pressures, more obesity rates, more diabetes rates, um, cholesterol rates have gone up. So ones that we used to see it when they were 30, 40 years old, we're now seeing in their teens. Wow, that's staggering. Um what is a typical menu for you during the day? What are you eating that you can give our uh, listeners an insight into? Oh, so you want to hear all my vices? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never give that away. But look, everything is in moderation. I think that's the most important thing. Because sure. yes, I have my piece of chocolate, but I don't need an entire chocolate bar. I'll have right. one or two squares. And yes, I'll have my ice cream, which I really love, but it's going to be a good quality ice cream. And hopefully it's going to be more natural and, and organic and not have a lot of fillers and, and artificial sweeteners and so forth. Um, so typically when I wake up in the morning, um, I will usually take a pre-workout. Uh, energy drink and that, I think that's really important because it gives you that focus uh, with taurine, tyrosine, uh, choline, DMAE um, and I look at citrulline uh, and it helps with the NO2 levels so I find a, 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 um, a supplement, uh, take that first because I know my workout's going to be first and I try not to eat too much if I need, if my, if I am hungry before I do that workout first, then I'll probably take a, some a banana and and some peanut butter and up some form of nut butter, maybe sun butter or whatever. Um, and then I'll do my workout. When I come back, that's when I'll take uh, a protein powder. Um, I'll take some um, phacillium. Uh Usually I'll do, do some uh, steel oats. So cook some steel oats. And then put that in, in, in the steel oats with some yogurt, um, some blueberries. And now I've got my protein, some good fat, um, some, some good fruit, some good carbohydrate, and some fiber. And that, that typically would be my breakfast. Yum. That sounds delicious, too. Yeah, it is. You know, it doesn't have to be. Yeah. So That's why when you get the yogurt, you can get ones that take a little flavor in it. Um, I try not to put too much sugar because we know that sugar can um, be a tracer for cancer and so forth. So we got to be careful with those sugar levels and depending on the type of sugar it is too, obviously. Um, But yeah, so having the yogurt, the berries adds adds some some, uh, flavor to it. And then uh, you can even put some PB, it's it's peanut butter, powder peanut butter. So you're getting peanut butter flavor or you can put some uh, called coconut mana, which is uh, coconut with some banana in it. Um, It's it has some some flavor and some good good fat. You know, the media is not allowed to advertise um, cigarettes and um, uh, alcohol, right, on on television, right? Isn't that true? So, it is now, right? It is for now, the most part, it right? Is. For the most part. So, why do you think that they? That, do you really think that we should be allowed to advertise drugs? Maybe we should be advertising, um, you know, this method on healthy eating and exercising and the components of um, physical, nutritional, social health, all all of these things. I I think maybe it would do our world a little bit better. Yes, I think if we become a little bit more um, educated about how to go about doing this, and and this is part of the 
the problem with physical activity and fitness in this country is that we don't have a governing body to say what's what's safe and what's not safe, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. You do with massage therapy, you do with um, with chiropractic, you do with physical therapy, and the list goes on. But we don't have that in physical fitness. So you can have a lot of people on the YouTubes and and um, the internet and prescribing exercise. And prescription should be by someone who is certified or does have a degree in, in this this um, in this realm. But yes, you're right. It should be something that should be more promoted. Um, again, it's all about money and who's willing to to uh, to invest in it. And I think we're at a point where we have to take a stewardship of our own health because of the fact that a lot of people make a lot of money from us being unhealthy. And, and that's the unfortunate part about it. Um, so, yes, uh, to be honest with you, I haven't seen a doctor in, in 35 years. Oh, God bless you. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm blessed by because I've understood my body. I know what it, what it needs. I was a very sick child when I was um, uh, 10, 12, 14 years old. As a matter of fact, I was taking allergy shots every week. Um, and I took that until I was uh, 20, 27 years old. And then I finally found homeopathics, and and now I I don't have, I I was allergic to everything, and now I'm not allergic to, to anything. So and if I am, then I know what types of things to, to take um, uh, in order to to combat those symptoms. If it's new ragweeds coming out because of the the difference of climates and the seasons and so forth, you'll have some reaction. But when you have a reaction, you need to know how to, how to deal deal with it. You've been a wealth of knowledge for our listeners today, Dr. Bill. We, we really appreciate it. So what is the, in, in closing remarks, what do you want to leave our audience? What's the, what's the last word? If, if they walk away from this podcast remembering anything, what's the one thing you want them to remember? Well, one of the scriptures that I really um, hits my heart is um, pay attention to my words Listen carefully. Do not let them from your sight, but keep them within you as they bring life to those that find them and health to a person's whole body. So the Word of God, I think, is really strong. I think it it brings health. It brings balance to our life. So when you are out of balance, um, you bring in that spiritual part of your life and uh, knowing that we are created for a purpose. And and I think that's one of the most important things. So it's important for you to take care of yourself and, and love yourself for Him. And when you love yourself for him, you'll find more purpose in your life. And I think you'll take care of yourself so much better. Well, you've heard it here, podcasters um, from Dr. William Elizick. And if you want to get in contact with him, please check him out on Instagram or LinkedIn. And you can ping him a message there. We thank you for your time today. This is Kristen on More Than Rich, shining a light on your financial underwear drawer. And remember, health is wealth. Investment advisory services offered by duly registered individuals on behalf of Creative One Wealth LLC, a registered investment advisor. Creative One Wealth LLC and Carlson Financial Services LLC are unaffiliated entities. Insurance products and services are offered through Carlson Financial Services LLC. The presence of this podcast shall in no way be construed or interpreted as a solicitation to sell or offer to sell investment advisory services to any residents of any state other than the state of North Carolina or where otherwise legally permitted. Carlson Financial Services LLC and Roy Carlson is not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency. 
This material has been prepared for informational purposes only. It is not intended to provide, and should not be relied upon for, accounting, legal, tax or investment advice.